a really great example of this. I went to 14 doctors for one problem and they all were just looking at symptoms and guessing and checking, which it's the practice of medicine. So that is what they're trained to do. Nobody sat down and said, what do you do for fun? Until I hit Dr. 15, Dr. 15 sat in front of me. Now I had unnecessary surgeries. This was over the course of years. So when Dr. 15 sat in front of me and said, what do you do for fun, Amy? And I burst into tears and he started factoring in that a lot of my problems with my sinuses and everything that was going on in my face had to do with the fact of my stress levels. It had everything to do with other components of my life, not just a structural issue in my nose. And if, the, if more people did that, then, then yeah, our health, our healthcare system would definitely improve. Hey, welcome to this episode of the On Call Empath. I'm your host, Raj Mantaj. I'm so excited to actually have this episode. I was kind of like on the fence of releasing this, but I figured with all the responses that I was getting from you guys, mental health and getting quality care is you know on the decline in this country, and we just got to have an open conversation about it. It's no secret that our healthcare system has failed, and uh, so I decided to reach out to Amy Fiedler again. And due to popular demand from the previous episode with uh, Amy, um, you guys really seemed like you liked uh, that episode, so I decided to bring her back. And she's not only an amazing coach, but she's also a trauma specialist. She understands the healthcare system, especially with people going through trauma. Um, so you definitely want to stick around. We're going to have an open and transparent conversation. And so also keep in mind that this is not medical advice. We highly recommend you contact your physician or healthcare f- provider for that. This is just uh, opinions of two people and the experience that we've been through. So if you're ready, let's get started. listening to the on call empath show so amy how are you doing and welcome back to the show i'm doing really well i'm so excited to be back thank you for having me um and i'm really excited to talk about this topic i think it's really important that we get a different perspective on mental and emotional health in you know, in this mainstream type of healthcare system. Exactly. And I think it's a very, very important subject, especially for a lot of, a lot of the people like we're vulnerable. We go to people with our trust and sometimes they don't do what they're supposed to, but, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm ready to dig in. But before we do, I know that uh, I wanted to say happy belated birthday. You're, you're, uh, one 35 now, right? 36 Raj. I'm oh, 30. I know I don't look a day over 24 age is nothing but a number (laughs) but uh yeah you got to be careful you can't be like hitting people with those balls that uh I see you on like what is that called um that game oh they're bumper balls they're big inflatable balls that you like climb into and yeah you can run into each other in them. Or <laughs> it looks very, very like fun, but it looks like your family was having too much fun bopping yeah. you around there for a little bit. So <laughs> it was it was a lot of fun. Honestly, the best birthday party I've ever had at 36. I was like a child and we did it in the pouring rain. So it made it 10 times more fun. Yeah, it does look fun. And I want to try that one day. It looks fun. But uh, yeah, so speaking of, uh, you know, I know they were hitting you pretty hard, so hopefully you didn't have any bruises or anything from that. (laughs) Just a little sore. Can't move my arms above my head yet. (laughs) Cool. Well, with that said, uh, let's just dive right in. I mean, I know for myself personally, I'm not here to bash uh, or, you know, put down the, um, anybody in the medical field. This is a disclaimer that, you know, hey, we're, we're just giving our personal advice. It, um, it's not medical advice. So if you're having any um, medical issues, obviously see it, your, you know, physician or doctor. So I just want to throw that out there. Amy, if you want to add anything. 
Absolutely. Yeah. The, the sensitive material that we're going to be discussing is obviously personal and professional opinion here. However, we assume no risk or liability and please continue to see your medical professionals and providers. Um, anything discussed here does not supplement for medical, legal, or any other type of professional advice. Well, there you have it. You heard it from the expert. <laughs> so with that out of the way, let's dig right in. Why don't you just kind of tell us like, you know, just the landscape right now, uh, especially with the COVID and, and all the things that's going in the healthcare system. It is broken. That's what I think. What is your thoughts on that? I have to agree with you wholeheartedly. And, and this is coming from somebody who personally has people in her immediate family that work in the medical industry. Mm -hmm. uh, my mom is a nurse anesthetist. She does anesthesia. Um, for a living. She she puts you to sleep when you're having operations. And my sister works in the ER. She's a trauma nurse. Um, and my brother is a medical sales rep who is always in the operating rooms working with surgeons during, you know, while they're performing their mm -hmm. surgery. So I have both, you mm -hmm. know, perspectives on the matter. And I really feel like it's broken. And it's unfortunate because it's not it's not doing what it should be doing, which is right. catering to our health and our well-being. Yes, and especially for all you guys that are listening, you know all the health, um, you know HSPs and the empaths. You know, going to the doctor. I mean, I know for myself, I try to avoid it as much as I can. I also come from a medical background. My dad's a neurologist. My sister's in the been in the medical field. My dad's been practicing. I helped him with his practice for thirty five years. I know what goes on in offices. I know exactly how they have to see and meet so many patients during a day. It's not the doctor's fault. They have to see a patient you know, in a short amount of time. And yeah. a lot of them are suicidal. A lot of them are stressed out. A lot of them that I've talked to um, just don't think it's worth it anymore. And um, and these are people that are telling me that. So, you know, Amy, w you know, from your perspective, I know that you, you have a lot of clients that come to you. Um, what are they saying in, in, you know, in behalf of everything? Um, my client, a lot of my clients have come from, conventional therapy, right? And, and they've gone to psychiatrists, psychologists, and, and medical professionals like those over the years, just like I did as a child. And they are coming out almost worse than when they went in because yeah. they're treated. And, and again, I'm speaking from personal experience, but I'm also speaking on the professional side of things. What I hear from my clients consistently is they feel like they're a number. They feel like they're being treated like everyone else. Nothing is personalized to their needs. Exactly. And when you're an empath and you're a highly sensitive person, you're, I mean, that's part of the population that people have to be specialized, especially therapists. When you tell them certain things, and they're not accustomed to exactly how empaths or um, highly sensitive people work. And they're just kind of giving you like a cookie cutter approach. I'm not saying everybody, but I'm just saying most of the therapists that I've come across that I've seen in the last few years, it's like, especially you walk in, you tell, you know, you tell your problems and then that's it. There's no plan of action, you know, and again, this is not to bash anybody. I know some awesome therapists. I've had them on, on this podcast. They know what's up. They know what's going on. But again, on the flip side, like Amy just said, there's a lot of coaches that are coming up um, that are, you know, just after one or two sessions, their depression, their anxiety, they're doing much better than they ever did in their lives. And they've been going to therapy for like years. So Amy, if you can kind of explain that and, and just kind of contrast the difference between, you know, going to a doctor, getting a prescription, masking the, you know, the symptoms and being sent home instead of, you know, asking you, how are you as a human being? What's the root cause? Tell me like the, you know, what's your experience on that? Well, here's the thing, Raj, is that there, when you take that medical route, 
your schooling is focused on a pathogenic point of view. Mm -hmm. The pathogenic point of view is disease centric. Mm -hmm. So it's focused on you have symptoms you're presenting, right? And their textbook is saying these symptoms point to this label, this diagnosis. So this is how we're treating it. And they're not factoring in the bigger picture. They want to get rid of the problem, but the problem was created elsewhere first. Right. And so what happens in that approach is it, it, it really masks a lot of other issues, which is why a lot of people end up on lifelong medication right? right or have reoccurring pain and struggles because mm. nobody's factoring in the bigger picture. When you have somebody mm. like I'll speak about me, for instance, when I approach my clients, I'm looking at it holistically. And people often misunderstand what holistic means. It means salutogenic. Salutogenic means there's many things we're looking at. We're not just looking at your symptoms that you present. Mm -hmm. We're factoring in your environment, Mm -hmm. not just your childhood environment, but what are the environments that you're in currently? Mm -hmm. What's your stress level? What's your work life like? What are your relationships Mm -hmm. like? You're a whole person. You're not some symptoms that we need to label Mm -hmm. and put a bandaid on. So when you have those competing like points of view, you kind of get a better grasp about why when you go to a doctor or, you know, a a conventional type of therapist, they're just like, Oh, you have anxiety. Okay. Here, this is what we're going to do. Some of those doctors, as you've said, you've probably spoken to some, there are plenty out there that get more education and or have personal experiences, right? Mm -hmm. That they can then factor in the environmental components and all of these other salutogenic approaches to somebody's health and well-being. Yes. And- And like you said, all the things that you want to get, like the feedback of their environment, who they live with, you know, their, uh, what they're putting in their bodies, diet, these, these questions are not asked in my 10 minutes of meeting with my general practitioner. The ones that I've gone to, especially where I live, it's literally, I walk in 15 minutes tops. I come back with a prescription. They don't ask anything about like my environment how I, how am I feeling outside of just my symptoms? They just want to stabilize me. If I have anxiety, let's fix that. If I have a sniffles, let's fix that. If I have a rash, okay. But they're not considering the fact that, Hey, maybe I'm in an abusive relationship and my body's like, you know, haywiring. And that's why I'm getting a rash and I'm getting pain here and repressed emotions. They're not trained to do that. Just like you said, they're not trained to do it, but, uh, but like, let's go back one step further. They're, they're a mm-hmm. human, they're an individual before they're a right. doctor. And this is what we tend to forget when we're a patient, right? We, we look at them as that label and we look up to them and we go, they have more information. They have more expertise. They know the answers. And what I teach people when they come to me is I'm constantly saying, I'm not a medical professional. I'm not a medical professional. Stick with your doctor when it comes to those things. But I'm going to teach you how to advocate for yourself. Because Mm -hmm. if you don't have the knowledge of what you need and want, you're going to go in very powerless, looking Mm -hmm. to the doctor for all the answers and forgetting that they're actually a human being that is flawed, that Mm -hmm. is traumatized, and may or may not have worked through those things. So they may not even think about them right? They may not be aware of them. They may not even consider them because they have no relational experiences to them. When you have knowledge of yourself, you can go in and advocate. And and I am personally a really great example of this. I went to 14 doctors for one problem. And they all were just looking at symptoms and guessing and checking, which it's the practice of medicine. So that is what they're trained to do. But Nobody sat down and said, what do you do for fun? Until I hit Dr. 15, Dr. 15 sat in front of me. Now I had unnecessary surgeries. This was over the course of years. So when Dr. 15 sat in front of me and said, what do you do for fun, Amy? And I burst into tears. And he started factoring in that a lot of my problems with my sinuses and everything that was going on in my face had to do with the fact 
of my stress levels. It had everything to do with other components of my life, not just a structural issue in my nose. And if if more people did that, right, then then yeah, our health our healthcare system would definitely improve. Yes. And, and this is nowhere just putting down, you know, doctors or anything like that. I've sat down with doctors myself on a, you know, just friends that are doctors and they tell me like they are stressed out to the max. They don't have enough staff They're You know, people are not trained properly. So they're going through quite a lot and there's, they have to see patients every hour double booked. So there, there is a lot of stress involved and I get that. And maybe that's why like they can't really sit down and ask, Hey Amy, how are you doing today? Or if an empath goes in and just starts naming all the things that they're going through from morning to evening, like, yeah, that sounds like you have anxiety. Just take this pill and then send that person home you know, and then that person becomes, let's say, suicidal, and then they go to the ER, they stabilize them in the ER. And then, you know, somebody comes in to make sure that they're stabilized. And then at that point, you know, you can go, if you're stable, they they send you home, you know, and then or somebody monitors you. So there's nothing after that. And that's, that's what I have a problem with. Like, I feel like mental health is not looked upon as like, let's say you have uh, a broken arm or you have like, um, you know, some sort of, uh, uh, you know, skin rash that's, you know, all over your body. It's something that you can't see. And especially with empaths and highly sensitive people, our main issue is, you know, we, we, there's no blood test. There's nothing we can say other than us talking and saying, we have these symptoms. And then they're like, okay, well, let's try this. Let's try this. Let's in, in playing Russian roulette with my health I don't feel good about that. And that's why, you know, people like, you know, you where where you go through a different approach, everybody, is, you know, they're, they're different and their outcomes can be different. Doctors are a hundred percent necessary. Yeah. I think the issue is in, is the, the healthcare system as a whole, right? It's, it's a business and their goal is to Absolutely. make money. And, and that's also a problem like with a lot of life coaches out there too. Their goal is to make money and there is a way to care mm-hmm. and, and focus on somebody's health and well-being while also making money. And, and I think people forget that, you know, but we're looking at a bigger, mm-hmm. bigger monster when it comes to, you know, going to a hospital and dealing with doctors right. and surgeons and nurses and then the pharmaceutical industry mm-hmm. and all of those things combined, it, it's really, you know, a little bit of a clusterfuck when, yeah. when you kind of break it down because there's so many different moving parts and right. they're all different branches wanting money mm-hmm. at the end of the day. I've had cases where I really needed to speak to my therapist and I left messages after messages, nothing, until the bill got, you know, uh, came up where I needed to pay. Then I got a phone call from my therapist and I'm like, wait a minute, did you not get my like five messages? And, oh, you know, I was busy and this and that. So that right there just shows me that, you know, what is really important. I know you got to get paid. That's, I'm not just, you know, disputing that, but like you also have to provide a service for me and, and, and I expect you to treat me exactly how you treat your other patients. So if I leave a message and I have to leave five messages to get one phone call back because I owe you, you know, like the last session, then I know that your motives are only focused on getting me in. And um, I even had this therapist book out like five appointments in the future. I'm like, I don't understand why I have to make five appointments. Well, of course, then they can build the insurance companies and then they got me locked and then that way they're going to get paid. You know, so there's there's a lot of loopholes in the back end. And I get it. I mean, they've got to make a living, too. And I'm and I'm not complaining. Yeah, but, no, but but no, but you're honest. And, and the reality is, is, like, even somebody like me, right, who I'm certified as a life coach, I'm certified as a trauma support specialist. Mm-hmm. I'm somebody who who always overextends and gives. So for me, when I first started this, this business, I, I wasn't charging that much and I was giving Mm. a lot more. And then I got to a place where I felt like people were taking more 
than I was making, right? And it's my responsibility to kind of balance that out and find the necessary boundaries to set within the business that is going to allow me to feel respected and for me to feel like the clients are getting what they need and want. I've had individuals that I've overgiven to for years that have been with me for years and they are nothing but respectful. And then I've had individuals who I've overgiven to and you know, their work has been finished and they didn't pay and uh, they have continued to not pay me for the work that, right. you know, for the services that have been rendered. It, it, it comes down to an individual. We can't, can't fit into a black and white category as you repeated right. throughout this episode so far. It's not a direct hit at any doctor or therapist out there because there's plenty of therapists I talk to in my work that will work with me or will follow me online and send me messages saying, it's our schooling. It's the way they they set it up. It's the protocols that we have in place. You know, like Mm -hmm. people will ask me, Amy, why didn't you go to school to become like a conventional type of therapist? I said, I didn't want to because- I don't want to have to answer to the state of New Jersey. I don't want to have to, I, I, I got to pay taxes to them. But beyond that, I don't want to follow any rules or guidelines within how I approach my business and my, and the people that are coming to me for help. So that leads me to asking you right there, what's the difference then? If a, let's say a client of yours goes to a therapist, doesn't get any type of relief and then they come to you and then after like a few sessions with you they're they're the happiest they ever been um and then now people are pointing fingers at you like hey you can't do that you can't you know act as you know um sort of like a therapist type thing which has happened i know like a couple people that i've talked to they're you know they have to be careful like you know they're not they're not giving therapy but uh, but at the same time they're giving more of a different holistic approach, which which you kind of uh, focus more on. It looks like. Well, yeah, I I think I and just just is because this is me. Like define therapy, right? Like like you go. Mm-hmm. I go to massage therapy once a week. That's therapy. You know what I mean? I, people will be like, "Oh, I go to my get my hair done, and that's a form of therapy." So, so if we take the word therapy and we stop making it into that kind of black or white definition of what we know it to be, anything can be a form of therapy. Exercise can right. be a form of therapy. My approach is therapeutic. There are a lot of therapeutic approaches out there. What's the difference between? my approach and, you know, a licensed therapist or medical professional, the differences in how I'm looking at you, the individual, right. I'm not looking at you as a symptom and trying to solve that problem that's creating the symptom. I'm looking at that symptom and wanting to solve the problem and understanding that it's not just, you know, something that I can throw a pill at or a label at and leave you with the rest of your life. We're going to solve the problem. And the problem is coming from environmental factors. It's coming from your belief system. It's coming from maybe trauma from a young age and how that's impacted your, your um, nervous system. So I'm looking at you as a whole person. I'm not looking at you as one symptom. I mean, everything that you're saying, I mean, I I can resonate with. And going into the future, you know, of healthcare, a lot of things are going to be digital, like where you're going to be on like some sort of like screen and you're going to be talking to your doctor over the computer and they're going to be diagnosed, you know, right over the computer. So things are changing Um but then that's just not going to give you that personal touch. And right now, as everything is, I've I've been seeing my doctors online, you know, and I haven't been going in because of this pandemic. And so I wanted to ask you, Amy, what do you see in the future, not only for your, you know, your coaching, but like for the medical field in general? Um, do you think that things are going to change or you think things are going to continue to get worse where, you know, it? We're from what they are now. I I can't make a prediction in terms of the whole 
medical industry, but I will say it's going to come down to people, right, on an individual level and how they're caring for themselves. You know, Mm -hmm. the nurse that, that comes home that makes sure she's, you know, taking care of her mental and emotional health and and she's staying physically active is going to be a much better nurse going into that hospital for her shift the next day than the nurse that comes home and lounges and doesn't move for the next four days and complains about everything that happened four days ago Mm -hmm. because they're not taking care of themselves on an individual level. So Mm -hmm. if I were to make a prediction and say, you know, (laughs) what is going to transpire and how is, how is the, the healthcare system going to change in the future? Um, well, let's look at it right now, right? Like how many people are taking care of themselves right now when they've got more time on their hands to do it? Mm -hmm. I think it's split. Right. So it could go either way, you know? Well, I mean, just as far as focusing on mental health, let's face it, it, it is not taken seriously. Yes. There's been a lot of, you know, um, you know, a lot of improvements and a lot of things in place, but especially for people like empaths and highly sensitive people, you know, uh, mental health is very important to us. We need somebody to actually ask us about ourselves and not just like you said, you know, give us like something to cover up the symptoms. So as far as mental health, I don't think that it's very, it's not taken seriously in this country. They don't understand something they don't see because they're trained to only look at what they can Mm -hmm. see as a symptom. So when you're talking to individuals that have not been trained or educated to look beyond what the eye can see and factor that into the equation, they're stuck. And if they're stuck, they can, they, a lot of them, some of them will, not a, not the majority. And the majority isn't going to tell you, I don't know. A good doctor might and say, could, I'll refer right. you to someone who may know better. And the majority is going to say, you know what? What's your symptom again? Because <laughs> that's what they can see, right? That's a tangible for them. So then they can solve that problem. And that's why mental health is so misunderstood. Right. Because it's mental, because it's it's invisible until it's a tangible symptom, and then it's a tangible symptom, and you go to a medical professional, and they go, "Oh, your chest is tight. Oh, okay, here's a pill for it." And you're <laughs> kind of like, "Okay, but it's not just right. one, right? Their textbook is going to say your chest is ch- your chest your chest is tight. Here are all the diagnoses it could be." Right. One thing I wanted to point out it's it's creating lifelong like patients. It, I mean, it, it seems like they're going to take care of one aspect. It's kind of like a water balloon. You, you've got all these like little pins and holes and like all the, like water's coming out of these holes all over the balloon. So they plug one hole, but there's other, you know, the other part is leaking out. So every time you go in, it seems like they're, they're trying to fix just <laughs> that one hole. And I have, I just want to say like, how can we just close it all and just, you know, really take a holistic approach. Look at the person as a human being, give them more than, you know, 15 minutes and ask them, how are you doing? What is your environment like? Where do you, what do you put in your body? What do you eat on a daily basis? Do you really need this, you know, medication or is that going to make you more, more drowsy and give you weight gain to the point where you're going to get depressed and then you're going to be on an antidepressant, then your blood pressure is going to go up. So we got to put you know, blood pressure medicine on top of that. And now before you know it, you're on 10 different pills, you're overweight, and now you're overeating because you're depressed. I mean, it's just a nonstop, you know. But that's the monster they've created, right? mm -hmm. Like they've made their own pyramid scheme. And and the reality is, is that like, you got to go back to the root of the issue. And the root of the issue is the education of the people that are going into that field Mm -hmm. to work. If those people personally, on a personal level, are not engaging in continuing education that is beyond their their scope, right, then, then you don't have a solution there. 
because right. you're just you're you're just kind of feeding the monster with the same type of 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 education that everybody else has and it's it's right it, it, it's a it's it's a beast to want to tackle but you you got to start back at where it all began which is what is their schooling and what's what's incorporated in it. I'll say to my sister all the time after I've gone to the doctor or I've visited somebody in the hospital, I go, what, what is with the bedside <laughs> manner yeah. of some of these doctors? Like for me in my professional scope, I'm like, did nobody teach you all how to communicate? Like right. you, you don't know how to communicate well. Some of you are not very well you know, at, at comforting anyone. I know exactly what you mean. And again, this is not to bash like one profession or one person. No. Everybody's individual. But just like Amy's saying, I've been through it and I'm giving you my experience with out of the 10 doctors that I've seen, I would say eight, eight of them have just really poor bedside manners where you could just tell they're looking at the ground, they're looking at the clock, they're just looking at their prescription uh, pad. They just want me out. And so, yes, I try somebody else and I try somebody else. And eventually I'll find somebody who's awesome, who really understands, follows up with, with, with me every time I go in, makes me feel good. When I leave that office, I'm like, that's how it should be done. And it just comes yeah. down to a human level. I don't think it's that much, okay, you're, you weren't trained a proper way. It's just human decency to look at somebody and say, hey, you took an oath to, you know, make sure that you take care of somebody in sickness. Like, just make sure that you give everybody the same level of care that they deserve. If you're burnt out, if you're, like, seeing patients every five minutes, 20, 30 patients a day, how how is that going to benefit me and i'm paying my money to see you but you're blowing me off when i keep coming see you know keep coming to your office making appointments and i've actually made appointments soon as i got home and i said hey you know this isn't working instead of like wanting to talk to me i have to pay another copay go see them make an appointment spend 3 hours in the you know in the office and then go see him again for something that could have been done in the first place. So they're billing me twice on something that could have been taken over over the phone. So stuff like that, I mean, again, it's I'm not blaming it on just one person. Doctors are stressed out in the United States. A lot of them are, you know, having mental health issues. Suicide is a big rising issues among doctors. I really feel for them. I live with many um, with some of them. I know what go, goes behind behind the scenes and it's not easy job i i can tell you that much no it's a very yeah it's a very stressful profession i know that from growing up with a mother who had to work in the operating room every single day for almost 30 years like it's very stressful and it's stressful to be a child of a parent who works in that industry as well you know um my my sister you know working in a in a trauma center takes really great care of herself, but she is only, you know, she works like 12 hour shifts at night and then she comes home and she's got a dog to take care of. And all of her spare time is really spent like trying to catch up on sleep and eat right and exercise. So she can go back in the next day or in two days and actually take good care of her patients. But a lot of people don't take good care of themselves. And then they end up in a profession where they're having to take care of other people. And when you're on empty, you can't give. So that then trickles down to the patient in the bed who is there blindly looking at you going, help me. And that in that, per again, we forget they're human. But when they show up at that job, they should be at a place with themselves where they're capable of doing that job to the best of their ability and having kindness and having respect and having human decency. So for me, like a lot of my work, especially the free things I put online, like I focus on education a lot and educating people because maybe you don't need to pay me and sit in front of me and work through something, but maybe yeah. you do need to read more about, you know, how, how to self-reflect or how to cope with something or 
you know, better set boundaries in your life because that's going to impact you on an individual level and then it's going to impact you in your career. And if your career is as a licensed therapist mm-hmm. or as a medical professional, then it's only going to do good for you and your patients and the world. Right. And it's not all it's not all bad. So anybody that's listening that might feel like, I guess, you know, they may not agree with what we're saying. I just want to let you know, even during the pandemic, I know personally nurses and I know doctors that's, that, that stood up to the plate and they worked hours that they didn't have to just to help their patients. There are a lot of decent human beings on the, you know, that are in the first responders, you know, that, that stepped up when there was this pandemic. Granted, there wasn't enough masks in this country or like have, um, the proper equipment, which is another podcast, uh, episode, but they made the best out of it, risking their lives to help people. And they could have contracted, you know, COVID themselves, but, they put the patients first. So I, I want to point that out. So we're not, I'm not pointing at anybody or one group and saying, okay, they're bad. What we, what, I, what we are saying is that we have a broken system. It's kind of tilted to more of the, you know, it's all about more money and, you know, how can we like put people on prescription and just put it underneath the rug and just keep gi- giving them like medications until, you know, to, to get to the point where they have all these symptoms and now you have something that's uncontrollable. I do want to ask you one final thing, and it's a scenario that I came up with, and I'm just curious what you, what, what you think. Um, let's say you're Amy, the 15-year-old traumatized, you know, and oh, you don't know <laughs> therapists from coaches from you know, anything, you just know that you need help. Now you have two choices. You can go to somebody who has experience, book smart, they're, you know, certified, Mm -hmm. you know, they have it all like, and then you have somebody else who's, uh, you know, very well educated, very well spoken, but they've been also traumatized to the point where they have been through hell and back kind of what your situation was. And you know that that second person who has been traumatized um, could probably relate with you on the the traumatization that you went through or and the problems that you're going through. Which would you prefer to go to? And I know this is individualized based on the person and the and the situation, but you being the 15 year old Amy, would you go to somebody that has been through hell, or would you go to somebody who's been through a bunch of classes? tons of schooling and has proven letters after their name and has a good reputation. Well, see, the thing is, is that I'm not, you asked the wrong person, Raj. I, I got a long explanation for everything. <laughs> Relational experiences are important in a holistic approach. I, I think for me as a 15 year old, I'm going to look at what's, what is the education of what is my intent in going number one and what is the education of that person who can relate to me because if because I'm gonna lean towards the person that can relate to me because relational experiences are what benefit people in a holistic type of approach to healing you need a relational component specifically in working with people who have trauma so Somebody who just has the letters after their name, I mean, I'm not your average child, so I never liked doctors, even though I had medical professionals in my family. I didn't have the highest level of respect just because they had an MD after their name. I looked at them as a person. So for me, I'm going to lean towards the relational, but I'm going to hope they've got an education to back it up because that's the other component to this question is like, I've, I've leaned towards relational people before, before, you know, I was, uh, I was who I am now, or I was even close to being 30. And I got, I, I endured secondary trauma because they were not capable of providing me the appropriate and necessary tools. So they weren't necessarily healthy people, but I could relate to their, to their trauma because I had the same trauma you know, and that's trauma bonding and that's not benefiting anyone either. 
Sorry to complicate your question. <laughs> no, no, I I was just curious because you've been on kind of both sides. So there could obviously there's some bias because you're a coach. But at the same time, I I appreciate you being honest and upfront. I just curious what you what you would have gone through because you know, like I said, something might work better for other people, and because it, it's all circumstantial, I get it, you know. And some people might click with you know a therapist versus you know a coach. So I wanted to ask you this one last question before we take off here. What do you say to somebody um, that? And then I'm sure I don't know if you've got this before that says, okay all these co- coaches out there cuz there's so many of them you know they're they're just they're quackery they're just they don't they, they don't know what they're talking about they're just trying to get you know a lot of money people. and and take my job as a therapist what would you say <laughs> to that in your defense and and I'm not putting you on the spot I'm just saying like in general I don't relate to them I, I've deliberately sought out professional <laughs> certifications and education and, and I do continuing education. I don't relate to the individuals who just call themselves a life coach and say, oh, I have a, a, a story to share. Here's my story and I can relate to you kind of thing. Um, yes, because there's every other person on Facebook, it seems to be doing that. It, it, <laughs> It's disheartening. It's, it's funny, but it's disheartening too because there are people that are desperate and needing help, and they will turn to somebody because maybe it's free or maybe it's cheaper than somebody who does have a qualification under their belt. Um, I mean that I, I, that in and of itself is a whole episode because I could. Yeah, I mean you're 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 preying on the vulnerable, and so they they don't know any better. I have a very strong opinion about that because I firsthand experienced it. And when you endure secondary trauma from somebody who is offering to support and help you, and it only hurts you and hinders you more, then it really creates this deep distrust in, in having support in your life. And I've firsthand experienced it, but a lot of the clients that I work with now, they too have experienced it where they've spent thousands of dollars in life coaches and things like that. And yes, I know every time it's funny because every time I say life coach, I am a life coach. I get it. I I don't feel like I fit into that box. I feel like I I have set myself apart from just a normal life coach. So I, I can kind of stand here and, and say that it's it's unfortunate that somebody says, oh, just because I've been through it, I can help you. No. You can share your story, but there's this fine, hazy line there of sharing your story and then saying, hey, I have all the answers for your for your stuff, because the, the difference is, is that when you are qualified to help somebody, you know that what helped you is not necessarily going to help them. Exactly. And and that takes that takes actual training and education to, to know that yeah. and be able to discipline yourself and regulate yourself in those environments to not get triggered by a client, to not force your opinion or your practices on them, but to actually hold a space and support and guide them towards what's going to help them. Yes. And that's a very good answer. Because you can really hurt yourself going to somebody on YouTube that, I I mean, I came across this guy once and he was like, get your anxiety under control under 24 hours, uh, book appointment with me. And I just was curious, like, what is he talking about? So I put in my information and he called me and he's like, yeah, I'm going to sit down with you, do a session. I'm like, what's your background? He's like, oh, I have anxiety for all my life. And I'm like, okay. Like, that's it? He's like, yeah, and that's how I, 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 I've proven to help the people. And, and I was just like, yeah. like every other ad that, that I come across, they're crossing over to that realm of, do you have anxiety? Do you have depression? Well, 
I had this, you know, back then and I came out of it and you can too. That type of thing, I don't agree with. I mean, especially if you don't have education, you don't have a certification. At that point, you're dealing with someone's life, you know, but what if they commit suicide? There has to be some regulations. So right now there is none, uh, especially online. Anybody could be anything, right? Yeah, there's no there's no regulations in life coaching. And that's that's the argument. People will say, well, like, Amy, you're not a doctor. And I go, well, I sit here and I tell you, I'm not a doctor. Like, I'm not trying to do what a doctor does. I will tell you when it's beyond my scope and to go to a medical professional or to see, like, I refer people out and decline them at to take to, to work with me all the time. Because I know my boundaries and my abilities. And I know my education, I can't work with certain types of individuals because I'm not qualified to do so. But a lot, a lot of people have that, you know, that integrity in their, in their business. And, and that's not bashing anyone. That's just fact. I mean, I hate to say it, but I've, I've come across people where they, they want me to call them the anxiety, um, you know, the anxiety guy or anxiety girl, but then they, they have nothing to back it up. And I'm like, I can't even, I wouldn't even feel right you know, having that on my podcast, let alone referring you to a friend that I trust, because you're just using that as, uh, you know, sort of like something to attract people. And, you know, instead of going to a trained professional, you're taking that over. And and again, that's a liability right there. And that's when you get into uh, some really, you can damage somebody for life. Yeah, you're you're dealing with people's lives. It's a little different than if you wanted to call so and so the skateboard king of the world. You know what I mean? Like that's not <laughs> that's that's fun, great, cool. But but this is people's like actual life that can be affected. And it, I always look at it like a life or death scenario. No matter how minute the problem is they present me, I'm looking at it because I've been there personally. I can look at it that way. For me, my anxiety, my depression, my all those things were life or death. I was suicidal. I know where it can go. So I'm not going to play with it just for a little extra cash. <laughs> if somebody comes to me and they're like, I love what you do and I really want to work with you, I have paperwork they fill out. And if it checks off a certain way, I contact them and I say, I'm not taking your money. I'm going to find you a referral in your town, your city, whatever that specializes in this because I cannot mm-hmm. do that. Yeah. And, and that's what I'm talking about. You have that integrity, you know, you do what's best for your clients. And, and that's what, what, that's exactly what I wanted to kind of talk about to all my listeners, the empaths, the highly sensitive people, you know, when you find someone genuine that, doesn't like just focus on, okay, how can I just get this person as a client? Because the main goal is to get you better and then let you go and not keep having you come back for the same reason. Because do what feels that, try everything and and not everything's going to work for one person as it does with the another person because everyone's different. I, I want to snowball a little off of what you just said, which is You've got to find what you resonate with and what's going to work for you. Don't ask Susie or John (laughs) or Cousin Joe what they did for themselves because unless you're listening to see if you can resonate or not, but beyond that, don't just copycat them because it's not just because it worked for them doesn't mean it's going to work for you. Yes. I I just want to also add on exactly what you just said, do your research. Don't go off of somebody with a lot of enthusiasm on Facebook saying, I have five <laughs> spots left and it's, you know, I'm discounting it 50%. If you come in, I guarantee you, your anxiety is going to be gone. Do not fall for these because they're everywhere. Nobody, <laughs> nobody can get, yeah, nobody can guarantee that. But you, you don't know you're right. You don't want to fall. <laughs> I, I, I'm a victim of that. I, I've done that. So I'm just letting you know. Everybody, everybody yeah. is honestly, the, the truth is if you constantly are seeing ads, this is, this is so true though. You're constantly seeing ads on Facebook or Instagram. 
that are like um, super long winded and personalized. They were they were trained to write that way to sell you on something. And they are always selling you on something. Find that you're probably following tons of accounts online or, you know, you have local therapists if, if you prefer it that way. Find the ones that you connect with. Don't, when you're sold on something so easily like that, because you're in need and they prey on that. And that's unfortunate, but that's the case. And when you start to get educated on the marketing tactics, then you easily scroll past them because you're like, no, I've spent tons of money on these like one hit wonder solutions and they don't do shit for me. When you're in pain and and you want answers, just don't go to one person. Just try to keep your options open. Try many things. And when something works, you'll know it. Use your yeah. intuition, especially the empaths. Yeah. I honestly, you guys are are super sensitive and and that makes you vulnerable mm-hmm. and probably really trusting at first. And so you're susceptible to things like those marketing tactics where they hit a pain point. And, that, and I'm telling you from experience, that's what we're told to do when we learn sales and marketing online. We're told to speak to your pain points. Because, Peel the onion. <laughs> yeah, we know, we know what it's going to do. We know it's going to trigger you to spend. So the other piece of advice I can leave you with is if you feel the urgency, that's where you don't take action yet. Mm-hmm. because when you're acting so quickly like that and you're quick to pull the trigger and, and make the purchase, it's coming from a needy place. When it's coming from a more grounded, confident, I want this, I know this is going to help me place. It's not such an urgent type of feeling. It's just a knowingness of like, yes, this is what's going to work for me. Yes. And don't fall for the, uh, you know, sense of urgency where if you don't act today, this deal is going to go, you know, it's not going to be here anymore. Or even in a, in a doctor's office or I've been in chiropractor's office where, you know, they have a special package. And if I don't sign up that day, I'm going to, you know, lose out huge and pay the full price later. Yeah, It's all marketing guys. I mean, it's just to get more clients in their, in their books of business and it goes for online too. So, I mean, coaches, doctors, just find something that works for you. Do your research, just like Amy's, Amy is saying. And uh, like I said, I mean, I don't have all the answers, um, but all I can say is you have to do what's best for you and follow. So, yes. Well, Amy, you're always like just a ball of energy every time I have you on here. The last time I had you, like so many people tuned in and they really they really resonate with you. You come from a very genuine place. So thank you so much for being on this episode. And I hope we can do this again on another topic. Yeah, me too. I look forward to to speaking more with you in the future. And thank you so much again for having me back on. Yes. And uh, so with that said, guys, I hope you got something out of this episode. I know that everybody has their own opinions on everything. So and I know bringing Amy on would give like a different perspective. Um, So hopefully you got something out of it. So in the meantime, stay tuned for the next episode. And we are out. You're listening to the On Call Impact.